Trisha. And I'm Chelsea. And tonight we will be reading the essay Feminism, It's a Black Thing from Bell Hook's book, Killing Rage, Ending Racism. Sorry, I'm trying to share this too. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not very like ever that's what irritated me before when I wasn't on these streams, is that I would get to um I would click on the thing that said it was going and it won't just let you look at it without it playing automatically. And it's really annoying. Like yeah. when you're just trying, when you're just trying to do something, you're just like, Oh my God, I can't. <laughs> right. Usually it's my phone doing that. Cause I'll forget to silence it before pulling it up to share around. And uh, I'm like, Oops, excuse me. Let me mute that shit. <laughs> but um, I think I've got it up. I do. All right. All right. I'm going to go share it around too. Um, so it's on from Tifa. Okay. I'm also not like freaking out anymore because we're only doing one at a time. So, right. Not so much. Your time. We are totally chill now. Right. <laughs> right. We can relax and not feel like we have too much to try to get through in a reasonable amount of time. It's great. Um, yeah, if you want to, well, actually, I just saw we don't even have anybody on yet watching. Okay, well, so, I mean, we can wait a second, too, to see okay. what happens. And I can fix my hair, because I'm not, I'm not self-conscious at all about this mullet. And it's beautiful. Well, I, beautiful. I'm about to put my mascara on, because I was still in the middle of doing my face. When you were like, hey, we're doing we're a makeup tutorial instead of talking about feminism. No, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> like, <my> eyelashes. <laughs> hey, we have a viewer now. <laughs> Do we know them or is it just some random person that's like, what are these girls um, doing? <laughs> it, it doesn't actually tell me who it is, only oh. that they're watching from Twitch. Like, it gives me a list of. If they're on YouTube, um, one of the Facebook pages or Twitch or whatever. Um, but uh, whoever you are, hi, welcome. Uh, we're giving it a minute for people to 
come in and join the chat and stuff before we hit play on the book. Um, yeah. There's that. Yeah. So momentarily we will be diving into Bell Hook's book, Killing Rage, Ending Racism. It's a good one. It's very relevant. It's hitting all the points. It really is. Like so many things that I have tried to talk with people about, uh, like, hey, this is how these fucking things intersect and how they are dramatically affecting society in harmful manners. She puts in words that I myself could not find because I don't have the lived experience of being a black woman in America and dealing with systemic racism. And the just the way that she expresses herself and hits so many fucking nails right on the head. Like, hey, this is a problem, that's a problem, this is a problem. And in this one specifically where she's pointing out that in the conversations on racism, that feminism gets shit on and misogyny gets encouraged as if um, holding up patriarchy is somehow going to be the cure for you know, ending racism when all that is doing is shifting various levels of hierarchy and still imposing abuse on women. It's like this man, all of this, like this needs to be addressed because more patriarchy isn't going to solve oppression when these things are separate, but intertwined, you know? No, I think it'll be useful for us all to have this uh, perspective now going forward with trying to find new people to contribute and um, specifically bringing in people of different cultures and backgrounds and things like that. I agree. Um, because this is this is a learning experience for us. Um, while we have an understanding already before we even came to the table with this of intersectionality. This has been an eye-opening venture into really understanding um, the various facets and the depths to which they go when it comes to how these things intertwine. And you, you cannot actually achieve liberation that does not fucking include women and other non-men. It just isn't possible. Let's see, we have another viewer who's joined us too on uh, the Facebook page. Hello and welcome. Um, We're giving it a minute for people to hop in before we hit play on the book so you guys don't miss anything. It looks like I didn't plug my laptop in. One second. Okay. No worries. Um, Ouch. Oh, goodness. Oh, don't mind me. You might see me squirming and moving about a lot today because pinch nerves. Um, Don't mind me. Um... Um, I'm cool whenever you are. I okay. 
yeah, if you want to go ahead and hit play, let that okay. start going, and I'm going to um, share this around some more in some other groups. Okay. Page 86, essay 8, Feminism, It's a Black Thing. More black men than ever before acknowledge that sexism is a problem in black life. Yet rarely is that acknowledgement linked with progressive political struggle to end sexism, to critique and challenge patriarchy. While these black men can acknowledge that sexism is an issue, they tend to see it as a natural response, one that need not be altered. In more recent years, some black males link sexist thinking and action to their sense of victimization by racist exploitation and oppression. Extreme expressions of sexism, misogyny, made visible by overt exploitation of women by men, become in their minds a dysfunctional response to racism rather than a perspective that exists both apart from and in conjunction with racism. Such thinking enables black males to assume no direct accountability for a politics of sexism that in reality does not have its origin in racist aggression. To see sexism as an outcome of racist victimization is to construct a worldview wherein black males can easily deflect attention away from the power and privileges accorded them by maleness within white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, however relative, even as they simultaneously undermine the seriousness of sexist exploitation by insisting that the problem is ultimately and always only racism. I liked this as an opener because it really ties it back to the idea that embracing sexist attitudes is a white supremacist, um, has a white supremacist origin. Um, and specifically that it, it only causes infighting and passing the buck constantly because there's more of, and I don't want, I also don't want to like, push too far into making these assumptions to make them sound again like they are racist stereotypes um but um when you're dealing with white patriarchy as i do um it's not i mean it is something that is infuriating but we have such a concept of individualism that often it kind of happens inside of a vacuum sometimes like it just it just happens and then it's over and then you remove yourself which is not how it should be because it does not fix anything but it's harder no. to conceptualize it as a collective problem when you're looking at white people whereas you can see that this is actually creating more collective problems for those that are not white um and especially women everything is just like oh well it's not it's not white people's faults anymore. It's women's fault. It's not white people's fault anymore. It's black women's fault. And so, um, yeah, I think that's all. But. Right. Um, yeah, that, that first um, paragraph there, I had underlined part of that too, of uh, the extreme expressions of sexism, misogyny, made visible by overt exploitation of women by men, 
become in their minds a dysfunctional response to racism rather than a perspective that exists both apart from and in conjunction with racism. That is one of those serious moments I was referring to. If she hit the fucking nail on the head. And I'll hit play again. Page 87. This overlapping of the two systems of domination in ways that deflect attention away from black male accountability for sexist exploitation of black females was evoked in a recent interview with black male journalist Nathan McCall, highlighting the publication of his autobiographical work, Makes Me Wanna Holler. McCall comments, quote, If you hate what's black, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. And if it's a woman, it's even more convenient because women are subjugated. It's understood that the only folks in this world who are at the mercy of black men are black women. Unquote. While there are culprits in racist aggression against black males, there are no culprits who subjugate subjugate black women in McCall's rhetoric. Female subjugation is presented as natural, already in place, not something black men create, only something they exploit. McCall shares his understanding of black male sexist aggression towards black females. Quote, a common response to oppression or abuse is to become an abuser. Black men don't have. We lost your audio, Chelsea. Assumptions presented as fact are dangerous. The reality that white men and individual men from diverse groups who have access a common response to oppression or abuse is to become an abuser. Black men don't have the traditional avenues that other men in this society have for expressing what we consider manhood. Unquote. These assumptions presented as fact are dangerous. They belie the reality that white men and individual men from diverse groups who have access to all the traditional avenues of power and privilege willingly perpetuate sexism and sexist exploitation and oppression. Concurrently, as long as access to patriarchal power and privilege in all avenues of life is presented as the bomb that will heal the wounds inflicted on black men by racist victimization, then maintaining sexism will be seen as essential not only to black male freedom, but to the well-being of all black people. Page 88. When black men like Nathan McCall acknowledge a structure of sexist exploitation and or oppression in black life that promotes the systematic abuse of black females without in any way offering a critique or challenge to that structure, they reinscribe the assumption that sexist brutality cannot change or be eradicated. This tacit acceptance of a system they acknowledge to be wrong is a form of complicity. That complicity for seeing sexism in black life, yet viewing it unproblematically, is often shared by white individuals, even some liberal and progressive white feminists, who ignore and in some cases condone black male sexism when it is articulated as a response to racist aggression. Linking sexism and racism in ways that condone one as a response to the other in contemporary society pits black males and females against one another. As long as individual black males and some females feel that their freedom cannot be attained without the establishment of patriarchal power and privilege, they will see black female struggles for self-determination, our engagement with feminist movement as threatening. 
convinced that the struggle to save the black race is really first and foremost about saving the lives of black males. They will not only continually insist that their sufferings are greater than those of black females, they will believe that the proud assertion of sexist politics registers a meaningful opposition to racism. Mainstream white culture has shown that it is far more willing to listen and respond to the dilemmas of black men when those dilemmas are articulated, not as the harsh aftermath of white supremacist aggression and assault that affects all black folks, but instead when these issues are mediated by a discourse of tragic, failed, emasculated manhood. Within contemporary white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, the discourse of an unrealized wounded black manhood, which is constantly in jeopardy or under assault, that responds to victimization with brutal threatening aggression, is played out in public rhetoric that defines black males as an endangered species. Page 89. Black males who are usually astute in their critique of racist stereotypes of black masculinity have not raised objections to the use of dehumanizing language that links black males to a public rhetoric that is usually evoked to talk about the extinction of wild animals. Instead, some black males opportunistically exploited the racist sexist rhetoric implied in the phrase endangered species to call attention to the serious impact of racism on black male lives. However, by not questioning this rhetoric, they implicitly endorse the notion that there exists a black bestial masculinity so central to racist sexist iconography that must be properly controlled because it represents a danger to itself and others. Embedded in much of this rhetoric is the assumption that young black males would not represent a danger to white society if they could all be in training to be mature patriarchs. Conservative whites and even some liberals seem to be able to respond to the real dilemmas that affect black males only if the rhetoric that explains these problems shifts from white accountability to a focus on gender, wherein the creation of a context for healthy black masculinity to flourish is perceived to be the remedy and not confronting and changing white supremacy. As a consequence, both, both black males and white society invest in a rhetoric of self-recovery for black males that explicitly perpetuates and maintains sexism and patriarchy. I had that whole thing highlighted. It's like two pages. My highlighter is going to run out. Um, <laughs> um, I... It's kind of hard to articulate, so I'm going to try as much as I can, but um, it seems as though, I mean, specifically, we already have trolls that come in here and talk about where we should be instead of here and what we should be doing instead of what we're doing. And You're not making babies and cooking? So, yeah. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> It's interesting to see how there's this divide, racially speaking, where if a black man saw a white man saying that, he'd be like, fuck that white guy. But at the same time, it reinforces um, their own power in their own communities. And I don't think that they play it out the same way. I think that they try to take a more honest approach to it most of the time in trying to mimic ways to get to be in an actual 
um, state of equality. Um, but I mean, it just shows you how easily confusing this can be. And especially now I've been thinking while I've been reading this essay, um, and I, as I don't remember how it was in 96 because I was five and six, um, but she talks about this in black on black, um, like black women and white and black men. Um, but it doesn't really get into the overlapping of, of those things. And I feel as though, um, it just makes the dynamic so much more confusing even after she wrote this. Um, because really she's looking at a black on black perspective, trying to separate from the white colonizer mentality, but at the same time, things have progressed into dealing with other issues like Kobe Bryant or like whatever else. Um, Fair. Fair. I don't know. Even when she talks about, the, even later on when she talks about the black male celebrities, um, she still, she still keeps it races separated. So it's, it's kind of interesting and to try to theorize outside of that. I don't know. Um, I mean, it, it was written 25 years ago and integration has come a lot further in that amount of time, even for as integrated as society already was in the 90s. Um, so there's just, there's more areas where uh, it makes me wish that she were still here for us to speak to and ask her what perspectives that she has um, where this affects interracial families. You know? Yeah, well, because she does get into the interracial aspect, but these are all separate essays, and so mm -hmm. sometimes they're more interracial, and then sometimes they're more like separated a little bit, which is understandable. That makes sense, but sometimes it's right. Well, and I understand why, because here she is particularly focusing on how the sexism and misogyny is still causing severe harm in at least heterosexual relationships amongst black men and women that this this reach for equality with white men is coming hand in hand with feeling like oh i have to be as patriarchal as fucking possible to get respect of these white men um and it it's causing more oppression at home that's why she was saying like patriarchy is not that balm that's going to heal damage to the black family the black community um any of these things because it is still imposing other forms of oppression amongst each other rather than lifting everyone up out of that oppressive state and it's another moment that again reminds me of Emma Goldman's perspective um, when it comes to why would you want to be equally oppressed? Because men aren't realizing even how patriarchy is harming them in these cases too, with that toxic masculinity and what they're expecting of themselves yeah. to yeah. be able to fit that. Um yeah, and I mean, having been in an interracial relationship myself, I'm not in one now, but I was, and 
there, I mean, he was fine. He was not aggressive at all. Um, but you can see sometimes that he would have to deal with that in his own personal life with the men in his personal life and things like that. And so you see this thing with sexism <laughs> when you are in an interracial relationship that, um, that you also feel targeted by white supremacy specifically because, I mean, especially a white girl with someone that is not white, um, that is much more offensive to them than the opposite. Um, and so it's, it's like you're not understanding that white supremacy also has its hand in sexism because it's like these are our women and these are your women and these are and so it's interesting to see how how that can be common knowledge and a common observation by people that are not white but then once you get into i guess that's why she keeps it to just inner like the whole interpersonal relationships within the same race because when you're in an inter interracial relationship, they don't necessarily treat you that way. But then sometimes whenever you have the same like cultural values and, and thoughts like that, it can slip back into um, expecting specific outcomes. And even like to elaborate on what you were saying, when it comes to those differences and dynamics between a white woman with a non-white man versus a white man with a non-white woman, that goes back to white supremacy at its most disgusting and ugliest of, oh, you're a white man, so it is your um, privilege then to sexually exploit all women, not just white women. Um, and a lot of this can be clearly displayed of that difference between there versus things like marijuana being banned because, you know, racist ass people were like, oh, this encourages white women to want to have sex with black men and stupid shit like that, where that paradigm is totally shifted of like, oh, wait, now this is insulting. And it's like, fuck you, all of it's insulting. You yeah. know, all of it boils down to really shitty white supremacy. Um, also, our, our Twitch viewer, MicroPower8, has a question for you. Mine, mine is, you know, she and her. Um, I'm she, they. And thank you for asking. I, I, I like that. I didn't you know, understand that that was what was happening. So I'm glad that you cleared that up for me. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we want to start again? Much of the recent emphasis on the need for special schools for black boys invests in a rhetoric of patriarchal thinking that uncritically embraces sexist defined notions of manhood as a cure for all that ails black males. No one talks about the need for black girls to have positive black male role models that would offer them the kind of affirmation and care that could enhance their self-esteem. Page 90. No one insists that young black males need positive black female role models whom they respect and treat with regard. All the rhetoric that privileges the self-esteem of black male children over that of girls maintains and perpetuates the assumption 
that sexist defined sex roles are healthy are the key to creating a non-dysfunctional black family. A major focus in schools for all black males is a militaristic emphasis on discipline. This seems especially significant since it was Daniel Patrick Moynihan who first suggested in his racist formulations of a theory of black matriarchy, a sexist paradigm that would explain black male dysfunction by suggesting that they were castrated and emasculated by strong black females who prevented them from realizing manhood. His suggestion was that black males should enter the military, a world without women wherein they could self-actualize. It is tragically ironic that black folks who once clearly saw the racism in this attempt to blame the problems black men face living in a white supremacist society on black females are now employing a similar mode of analysis. The notion that schools for all black boys, which teach a patriarchal pedagogy, one that emphasizes both coercive discipline and obedience to authority, are a corrective to dysfunctional behavior is one that completely erases the extent to which patriarchal thinking promotes dysfunction. A recent article in Black Issues in Higher Education positively highlighted Detroit's African-centered academies for boys. The author states, discipline is one of the cornerstones of the academy's overall program. Teachers don't cut youngsters any slack. Students dress in uniforms which are inspected regularly and must speak clearly and assertively in full sentences and address adults in a proper manner. I specifically grew up in this type of environment and the only thing that it teaches you is to be subservient to white supremacy. No matter what the racial makeup is of that school, this is traumatizing and it enforces obedience constantly. Yeah. It just looks nicer because it costs money, but that's. Yeah. It's, it's all indoctrination. No, uh, I went to a white supremacist school that did exactly that. We didn't have uniforms, but we had dress codes, which made them even more likely to check you constantly. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're only, it's a white system, even if the, if the racial makeup is not white. I'm going to go again. Okay. While it is positive for young black males and females to learn discipline and self-responsibility, those attitudes, values, and habits of being can be taught with pedagogical strategies that are liberatory, that do not rely on coercive control and punishment to reinforce positive behavior. Page 91. It is obvious that militaristic models of education effectively teach young males behavior that may lead them to be more positively disciplined and so forth. However, there is an extremely negative dimension to this coercive hierarchical model of education that no one talks about. If these young males are being taught to be disciplined within a learning community where they are also learning patriarchal thinking, how will they respond to females who do not conform to their expectations? As adult men, will they attempt to subordinate black females using a discipline and punish model? Significantly, all the schools for young black males described in this article are called by the name of important black male figures. 
Paul Robeson, Malcolm X, or Marcus Garvey. Supporters of these schools and others like them around the nation rarely question the teaching of patriarchal perspectives. Even the critics are more concerned with whether there should be African-centered schools than with the issue of gender. In white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, it is often just assumed that black gender relations will necessarily be retrograde, inferior to those of whites, be they conservative or progressive. Despite the cultural impact of feminist movement, most white and black critics in contemporary mass media do not extend the same critical awareness to gender issues when black folks are the center of attention. Individuals who support separate schools for black boys that emphasize a militaristic patriarchal pedagogy, or for that matter, any of the folks who push patriarchy using the guise of building strong black families, do not have to confront an interrogating public demanding hard evidence that patriarchy is healing to the psyches of black males who are assaulted by racism. Page 92. There is no evidence that suggests patriarchal black males who are successful in the arena of work, who are not in prisons, who are not committing crimes on the street, are more humane in their relationships with black females or less powerful males than unsuccessful black males whom society deems dysfunctional and or criminal. There is plenty of evidence to substantiate the reality that black men who have obtained class power, status, and privilege like their white counterparts, often dominate females in assault of coercive ways to maintain sexist power. Concurrently, many of the negative ways black males interact with one another using coercive violence or assaultive verbal harassment are behavior patterns reinforced by sexist constructions of masculine identity. Yet the extent to which embracing feminist thinking and practice could transform black male identity is never presented as an option by that public claiming to be concerned about the quality of life for black males in white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. So far, only small numbers of black males willingly engage feminist critique, seeing it from a standpoint that enables them to divest of learned engagement with patriarchal thinking that is fundamentally undermining and disenabling. Many black males accept and perpetuate sexist, racist notions about black manhood, not only because they can receive more sympathetic attention from the dominant culture by focusing on a wounded masculinity, but because by endorsing sexist thinking, they also strengthen their alliances with white males. Throughout the history of black male presence in the United States, masculine physical prowess has been one of the few arenas where they are perceived as heterosexuals. Negative representations of lesbians and gay men abound in black life precisely because they create a context of fear and condemnation that closes off the possibility that black heterosexuals will study and learn from the critical thinking and writing of black homosexuals. Page 93. Much of the compelling critique and challenge to black male engagement with sexist thinking with patriarchy exists primarily in the work of gay black men. If straight black men never seek this literature and or repudiate it, they deprive themselves of life-affirming and life-sustaining discussions of black masculinity. Homophobic thinking and action is a barrier that often prevents black males and females from choosing to learn about feminist thinking. Um, I haven't been able to keep up with this person, so I wanted to catch up on that. Um, 
And I also wrote something down as a note to all of that. As far as the comrade thing, um, we are not Russian and Russian is not communist. So. Russia has been capitalist for many decades. Um, and that's not where the root of comrade is from either. Uh, it, it goes back much further. Um, so, I mean, I did not read this. So I'm going to say what I think about this and then you can talk back and I'll keep up with this and you'll probably cover that too. Um, so with this last paragraph, um, I specifically wrote down, um, competition and compromise. It is this competition with black women, um, to gain dominance over them and a compromise with white men because they think that both of these things are going to advance um, their cause and their race. And obviously that's not the case because they're still conceding to the demands and the system of the people oppressing them. Um, and I did skim on this person's um, comment of um schools or i think i saw you talk about the schools i mean i i had already kind of covered that by saying that even though it is not a white school it is still run in a white system um, right it's it's colonialized and i know better than the most and you said that you were subjected to that a little bit as well not as much as me but mm. We can recognize what the white supremacist school system looks like and to place people of other races in that kind of environment. I can't imagine how that is not also even maybe much more traumatizing. Um, we had people that weren't white in my school, but they were, um, there weren't very many. There was not, there, there were enough to not um, unionize on things. Um, I specifically remember one woman that was uh, head of the debate team and they would not let her um, present herself at certain functions because she was black. Wow. Um, there was two different um, Christo-fascist patriarchal schools that I got sent to an elementary school, uh, one being Baptist, the other being Pentecostal. And um, I can't think of anybody who is in either of those and student or otherwise that was not white. And it, you know, really fucking hits you, you know, to look at that in hindsight, because at the time being like six, seven years old, it didn't really register with me. I'd already been to public school for a minute, then went to private school and went back to public school. And in the public school, uh, even being in a mostly wealthy suburb, it was very mixed across racial lines. So, um, you know, there, there was a world of difference there when it, it came to even like having those dynamics of being around people who didn't just fucking look like you, you know? Um, there, a lot of the problems with why I, even at that age of being a third grader, refused to go back to those schools 
was because of the patriarchal influences, because I at least did recognize that that was a facet. At the time, I, I did not register, you know, if there was any racism happening there as far as who they were allowing to attend in the school. But I did recognize that I was being treated as less than because of being a girl. Um, and I fucking hated it. Um, and there was also that very authoritarian aspect of you're not allowed to question any of this straight across the board. Yeah. And especially when it came to the patriarchal shit. And that was enough to make me go, fuck this mess. This makes no sense. And I am not less than because of having an innie versus somebody who has an Audi. This is dumb. Um, I never thought of it in terms of belly buttons, but thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an innie. <laughs> Um, I do, have, I do have a couple things that I skimmed specifically. Um, so I'm just going to chalk this up to a language barrier because, um, this does not start out wonderfully. So I just want to preface that, uh, if the dark colored people, <laughs> Uh, know how to make it better, then they should have the possibility to have their own schools and teach their children in their best way so that they do not get manipulated by white people. Um, and they said that's only an idea. But um, the problem with that is that um, even when we were separatist, when we had white people and black people separated, um, Black people were still being exploited and oppressed and taken from and murdered. Um, the, it, it it does not work just to remove yourself or to educate yourself. The problem is, is that this is all of our problem. And for the most part, it is the problem of white people to fix this problem. Um, because, Sadly, that burden has been put on a lot of black people and it does not belong there. But the problem is, is that you can run away all you want to, but you're still going to get followed. And that has proven with um, indigenous people as well. There have been many treaties with the U.S. government that have been set in place by the United States. And then they are completely um, taken away after a certain amount of time once it no longer serves the U.S. government. So people of color and minorities cannot just run away from this, even if they educate themselves. This is a collective problem that needs to be fixed. Right. Um, and then I agreed with the prison system. I don't have much to say about that. Um, Oklahoma specifically um, has the highest incarceration rate for women in the world. Wow. Fuck. Um, and then I agreed on the um, not punishing people because I'm a sociology major and I mentioned that a lot, but um, it is really what could fix a lot of our problems instead of police brutality and incarceration and things like that. You, you see these videos about certain social issues like prostitution or something, and these people actually think that they're helping. Uh, women whenever they arrest them because they say that it got them out of but it's still a per permanent problem on their record so it really didn't get them out of the stereotype or 
push them into a place where they have complete control over their own assets um, because this will likely haunt them for the rest of their lives. And right. that's a lot of crimes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's women. It doesn't matter if it's drugs. Right. It's one of those things where it's like, hey, a social worker could do wonders here. The police and the prison system are causing more harm. It doesn't fucking help. Do we want to start again? Yeah. Okay. We're already more than halfway through. Yeah. At the peak of contemporary feminist movement, black males were one-upping white males by representing themselves as that group of males who had not capitulated to feminist demands that they rethink sexism. That repudiation of feminist thinking was highlighted when black males responded to the feminist fiction writing of black females like Alice Walker by once again flaunting their sexism and accusing her and other black women of being traitors to the race. To support the race, to not be seen as traitors, black women were and are still being told to express, express racial allegiance by passively accepting sexism and sexist domination. Recent anti-feminist backlash has led to the positive highlighting of black male sexism and phallocentrism. In public spheres of homosocial bonding, black males inspire alternately fear and envy in white males by flaunting it's a dick thing masculinity. Willingness to flaunt sexist behavior, coercive masculine domination of females, is one of the ways black males receive respect and admiration, as well as rewards from white male peers. Often mainstream white culture condemns black male sexism if it impinges on its freedom, even as it rewards it if the targets of that rage remain black females, less powerful black males, and advocates of feminist movement. The production and dissemination of rap music that perpetuates sexist and or misogynist thinking that condones the assertion of male domination over females by any means necessary is a site of cultural production where black males are alternately punished and rewarded for this conduct. Page 94. The punishment usually takes the form of public critique and censorship. Ultimately, the positive response to sexist and or misogynist rap music, fame, wealth, reinforces reality that these attitudes and values will be rewarded in this society. If black males find that they can make much more money flaunting lyrics that are sexist and misogynist, it is mainstream consumer culture that creates the demand for this product. If white supremacist capitalist patriarchy rewards black males for sexist behavior, whether in the entertainment, sports, or political arena, that is, the Thomas hearings, there are few incentives for black males to divest of sexist thinking. Ultimately, sexist aggression by black males towards black females creates a cultural climate in black life where gender wars and conflicts claim the attention and energy that could be constructively used to create strategies for radical intervention that would challenge and undermine the existing racist and sexist systems of domination as long as the vast majority of black males are brainwashed into thinking that sexist thinking enhances their lives, white patriarchy need never fear being dismantled by progressive black male insurrection. Nationalist black leaders, male and female, 
whether they be in conservative religious organizations or represent themselves as spokespersons of more radical movements for liberation, continue to suffer failures of insight that lead them to invest in the notion that patriarchy is the only possible system of social organization that can bring stability to black family life and to the race. Unfortunately, as long as the misguided assumption that patriarchal power compensates black males for the trauma of living in a white supremacist society and experiencing the trauma of perpetual racist assault is accepted without question, then the reproduction of sexist thinking and action will remain the norm in black life. Page 95. Concurrently, the negative consequences of sexist black male domination will remain a taboo subject. Those of us who break the silence will be continually cast as traitors. Until this silence is repeatedly broken, African Americans will never be able to constructively address issues of positive gender identity formation, domestic violence, rape, incest, or black male-on-male violence. We will not be able to challenge and critique sexism if the destructive impact of patriarchal thinking is always denied, covered up, masked as a response to racial victimization. Individual progressive black heterosexual males who engage a critique of domination that takes feminist thinking and practice seriously as a radical alternative to the push to institutionalize potentially exploitative and oppressive patriarchal regimes in black life must be more willing to act politically so that their counter hegemonic presence is visible. Working in collective solidarity with black women who are active in progressive movements for black self-determination that incorporate fully a feminist standpoint, these black men represent a vanguard group that could begin and sustain a cultural revolution that could vigilantly contest, challenge, and change sexism and misogyny in black life. All too often, the anti-feminist perspective is the only voice that masses of black people have the opportunity to hear. It is this voice that most intimately addresses black folks across class. Progressive black women and men often end up speaking the most to mainstream white culture. While this speaking is necessary intervention, it must be coupled with an equally intense effort to address gender issues with strategies that articulate ways the struggle to end sexism can positively transform black life in diverse black communities. Page 96. Black males who cling to sexist thinking and fantasies of patriarchal power need to know that a concrete engagement with feminist thinking would allow them to examine the ways their acceptance of patriarchal notions of masculine identity undermine their capacity to live fully and freely. No matter how clearly and passionately black women active in feminist thinking and progressive black liberation struggle critique patriarchal thinking and action, it ultimately deprives black males of the opportunity to construct self and identity in ways that are truly liberatory, that do not require the subordination and domination of anyone else, and ultimately only the testimony of black males can bear witness to this truth. We need to hear more from black males who repudiate domination as the only possible means of social intercourse between themselves and black females. We need to hear from those black males who are not sadomasochistically seduced by images of black females at the mercy of black men. We need to hear from black males who have turned their gaze away from the colonizer's face and are able to look at gender and race with new eyes. Black men who can hear anew the prophetic words of Malcolm X urging us to change our minds. Quote, 
We've got to change our own minds about each other. We have to see each other with new eyes. We have to see each other as brothers and sisters. We have to come together with warmth, unquote. Any black male or female who seriously contemplates this message of radical black self-determination would necessarily embrace the struggle to end sexism and sexist domination in black life. It is that struggle that offers us the hope of mutual intimacy, of a redemptive love that can extend beyond the limitations of utopian fantasies of family and nation, that can transcend narrowly constructed paradigms of identity formation and fixed sexual practice, a redemptive love that can indiscriminately offer every black male and female the hope that our suffering within white supremacist capitalist patriarchy will cease, that our wounds can be healed, that the struggle for black liberation can be realized in the politics of daily life. Look how fast that was. I know, right? <laughs> Granted, this is a little shorter than some of the other essays in the book. But. Yeah, it's more longer, some more shorter. I like this either way. That way, it's like easier. We're, we're still under an hour, and then yeah. And now that I'm off nights, and yeah, it'll be better. But um, I I like how she's pointing to the um how much she's pointing to the white condemnation of feminism and how that has infected every single thing that is underneath right. white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. Um, because it's it really does show where the, where the division lies. Yeah. Um, as well as her pointing out very clearly, like this is a colonizer thing. Like this is a facet of how all of us need to start with decolonizing our own minds and understanding that this white supremacist capitalist patriarchy system is put into place because all of those things coming together is how those who are on top maintain control and authority, false sense of authority over everyone else. And that, that sense of domination that, you know, they want to be exerted in various levels. Um, there was a couple of things here that I have underlined since the last time that we had paused. Um, and a few of these are, are what I was referring to earlier when I said, I'm going to meme this, <laughs> you know, one of them being back on page 93, where she said to support the race, to not be seen as traitors. Black women were and are still being told to express racial allegiance by passively accepting sexism and sexist domination. And this is something I've even seen amongst uh, black women who are comrades, who are absolutely communist, but then have that disconnect when it comes to feminism and still adhere to basically religious lines of, mm -hmm. but I'm a woman, so I'm supposed to be subservient. And it's like, wait a minute, we've, we've got to get past that because you cannot actually have liberation that does not include liberating women from misogyny. Um, and 
religion is not and never will be a proper excuse for misogyny. You know, I know enough people who cherry pick that I can tell you, you can cherry pick the sexist trash right out of anything and still have your beliefs, still have your faith, but be able to call certain things out and go, well, wait a minute, this is not ethical. Therefore, how can this be moral? Yeah. See, and this is the problem too, is that, I mean, I'm bringing it back again to the Kobe post, but I've put the wrong people inside of Femtifa, even not realizing that this is a problem. So it's weird that I already had this book sitting around for a long time. I wish that I'd read it before this happened, but um, that's exactly what she did uh, with that man that came in and had something to say. And for me, because I was raised in such a in such a restrictive, sheltered environment that was teaching me manifest destiny and um, conservative Republican ideas, um, you I, I gained a really strong sense of morality, not from that, but how much hypocrisy I saw inside of that. And so, as a white person assigned female at birth, um, I, it's, it's hard for me to know when that's going to come up, um, in running pages like these and, and things like these. And so, um, I just had this, I was just like, okay, but we're talking about rape. And then we're talking about rape that is, that has happened. We're not talking about, about rape that is just, you're, accusing a black man against a white woman i mean it was a black white scenario but it was but it did happen and so it was just bizarre to me to see someone trying to pick one one problem over the other problem instead of addressing the entire problem um and i didn't have words for it then i mean you guys understood what i meant but as far as they were concerned they just thought it was bullshit so um Right. I saw it as these points about racism are valid, but they deserved their own post separate from that, because in that context, it was being used to derail the conversation about rape that actually had happened. Um, one of, one of the other, I I wasn't looking at all of that before and now I'm like, you just read that, didn't you? (laughs) Um, but yeah, one of the other parts that I had underlined here is on page 94, where Bell said, as long as the vast majority of black males are brainwashed into thinking that sexist thinking enhances their lives, white patriarchy need never fear being dismantled by progressive black male insurrection. And that right there fucking encompasses um, like what I was trying to get across to the the comrade um, we were discussing, you know, the, the conversation with earlier of like, if you really want to dismantle this system, you have to do so locking arms with women, not seeking to be a head over women. Um, and that again, that's one I'm going to meme as well, uh, because of the, there's no better way to even put that, that you're standing in your own way. If you really want to overthrow this fucked capitalist system, you have to overthrow the patriarchy that is upholding it too. 
right along with overthrowing the racism that is keeping it in power too. All of these things come together here and you cannot dismantle one without dismantling them all. Um, if you don't have anything to add to that, I will jump to the next part that, uh, you're fine. I had all of 94 highlighted. <laughs> I couldn't like, yeah, I couldn't, find, I, I was like, okay, I actually did highlight that specific sentence with this one. I'm like, I highlighted that whole entire as I was reading this, I, I just, there were specific lines that I underlined because I was like, okay, this, but I genuinely felt like, okay, am I just going to underline this entire essay? <laughs> because yeah, there, that's there's, yeah, there's at least two pages in this like 11 page essay that are just completely pink. Yeah, so. <laughs> I understand. That's how I felt reading this too. Um, the other quote that really struck me on page 95 is working in collective solidarity with black women who are active in progressive movements for black self-determination that incorporate fully a feminist standpoint. These black men represent a vanguard group that could begin and sustain a cultural revolution that could vigilantly contest challenge and change sexism and misogyny in black life. And that right there, she is speaking life into this um, in the most positive manner of like, look, if we grab hold of these things and teach this, look at the good we can do here. Look at how we can fundamentally change things. Um, and that's all as far as the stuff that I had underlined at the end there, because again, I felt like just highlighting the entire page uh at the end after that too so yeah um but uh if if you don't have any feedback on that i'm gonna scroll up through the comments so we can That's address totally fine. and i think that we can just address the comments now probably um uh, uh micro power eight uh said, I will tell you something, you know, there was an East and a West Germany. In the West, they have done very much for feminism. In the East, they have done nothing, um, simply worked together and, and lived together. After several centuries in the West, nothing had changed. In the East, the women were equal to the man and did everything that man did. Somehow, it does not work if you put the unequal problem inside of the society because the differences are visible all the time. Um, and if you could elaborate on that last sentence there, I'm, I'm curious how you were applying that there, but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see like those dramatic differences between um where certain things have actually experienced some some growth societally when it comes to you know sexism and society uh he also said i'm sorry if i'm i'm wrong there i'm, I'm assuming that micro that that's a male name if i'm wrong let me know um he said uh the people have the the differences all the time in their mind somehow this is not a good solution to bring people together 
um, yeah, if you're still holding on to those ideals of differences between genders, um, such as these social paradigms of gender roles that uh, try to say, well, if you have this trait, it's masculine and this trait is feminine, when really there's nothing masculine or feminine about them. It's just different personality traits. If, if you're still adhering to having those differences defined in your mind, that is a point where you need to, again, decolonize and you learn about this in sociology, in biology, in human sexuality, which falls in with both. I yep. mean, there, there's very little difference between men and women at all. Right. Our personality. Um, or whatever, in, whatever in between on the spectrum of gender. I mean, it's what our genitals are and everything else is completely socially imposed. It has nothing to do with our capacities simply because of our genitals and the fact that anybody comes on here and thinks that they sound smart when they're harassing us not any of these people but it's just ridiculous because it's if you had any amount of education at all you would know that there really is not very much difference to it um that <laughs> that very well said um Moving forward in the comments, okay, and I, I see another one just popped up. Ace Fire Phoenix, I, I don't know who you are or why you would come on a feminist podcast and leave a comment asking to see a smile, but we're not here for that. So, no. Um, you can go ahead and block that one. Yeah, I plan on it, especially after bitching about why can't she communicate. I'm, we're not We're not here to, like, uh, interact like that. I, I don't know what your expectations were, but bye-bye. Um, and they're blocked. Um, Micropower8 said, I have learned information technology and we solve big problems simply with the method to split big problems into small problems. I can see how that can be extrapolated into a societal. I mean, into, in, a, in a sense, that's what we're doing right now. Right, right. <laughs> Breaking all of those facets and going, here's how they're interlinked, you know, um, because the intersectionality of all these various points of focus is important to understanding why we cannot overthrow one fucked facet of a system without overthrowing all of them. Um Ozzy Mendia's visage, if I'm pronouncing that right, says, unrelated about a workers' revolution, are you for or against the idea of a vanguard state following the revolution in order to fight off imperialism, or are you more in favor of a united anarchist line for direct democracy? In uh, that one, that, that is a slippery slope that we do discuss often, because uh, as, as you'd find if you're reading Lenin's State and Revolution, they're is a need for there to be a vanguard state to protect the revolution until it is no longer needed to be ongoing, um, until there is no longer capitalist influences trying to revert things back to capitalism. Um, as far as anarchy, uh, as defined as uh, not ruling over any other and not being ruled over and having direct democracy, that is actually the highest level of communism. And that is the end goal to eventually dissolve 
that state body and um, to get everyone to actually participate in the actual democracy, the actual governance of the land, because that power belongs in the hands of the people. And that is specifically what we are talking about when we throw up that power fist and say all power to the people. I personally would agree more with the former rather than the latter, um, because I think that we always have to be educated against these things and organized to fight them together. Um, so I don't necessarily see, I mean, just looking at right now with the public discourse about how things are going, I mean, it's pretty anarchic in itself. Um, and there is no unity with that. Um, I don't know. I, I sympathize with anarchism, but at the same time, I think that, um, that people aren't disciplined enough to just think that the it's almost like another form of individualism to me in a way, unless you do have a vanguard. Right. And the thing is, um, do we seek having a horizontal organization happen there? Absolutely. Clearly from everything we've discussed here, we don't like hierarchies, but there is that matter of needing that vanguard state um, as since just a constant got... form of communication and yes diligence um which i think is the problem with the masses is that the masses have no diligence um there's also a lacking in in the teaching of ethics which i think would be fundamental to that awakening of um people to be able to even uh cooperate and collaborate in a situation rather than being pitted against each other. Uh, I, I find learning ethics to be very fundamental to people even understanding where their rights end and the next person's begin so that they don't become fascist or authoritarian of like, sure, do we need simple guidelines? Like you don't have the right to kill somebody, therefore we will have laws against murder. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be less of an issue if people actually had an ethical basis from which they operated on of going, well, wait a minute, if I expect to have this right respected to not be harmed, then I have to expect of myself the same when it comes to how I treat other people that I don't have the right to cause that harm either. Um, and that's a problem that we see in our current laws right now, because we have people trying to uh, enshrine their beliefs in legislation. Uh, in manners that are causing harm to other people and they don't have that right or the privilege you're gonna like this next one uh well i'm i'm still like here there's I, i'm not sure what when you're looking at if it's the most recent comment i'm it not is. here it is. um I'm, I'm still, <laughs> there's quite a few that have popped up uh, while we've been discussing this, uh, Micropower 8 said, oh, and the health system in the USA is so bad. Agreed. Agreed. It fucking sucks. Um, just ask my teeth. You pay 180%. But many people do not use it because they fear the cost of the hospital 
in Germany, we keep the threshold low so that the people will go very early to the doctor and fix the problem in an early stage. That is something that we have fought for for so many years, trying to implement that here because preventative care will get you so much further than trying to deal with something once it becomes a problem. Not to mention the cost alone, because like right now we're paying for stupid shit, like fucking TV commercials for insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies. And that's driven the cost of our healthcare sky high. We could literally save trillions if we switch to a universal healthcare system. Yeah. Well, and it just doesn't make any sense to me because I don't want to reinforce the idea that we should be working all of the time or that we should dedicate our lives to our workplaces. But at the same time, you would just think that as far as production and everything is concerned, that it would make more sense to address things this way. And nobody does. And it's it, it feels ridiculous to me because it seems as though there could be a lot of people still living very well while we while we are able to not be so bad off it's like i mean it's not like we all ask for that much but i would like for my teeth to not hurt i would like to have needs that are reliable like and if you could fix those problems straight away i mean you would be more equipped to work for longer and the entire fabric of the system would be stronger but it's not it's one of those things that it's like, <laughs> uh, if you can't afford in, uh, insurance and if you can't afford it yet, still make quote unquote too much money because you're only like 50% below the poverty line instead of like 75, depending on what state you're in. And so you therefore don't qualify for the state insurance. Then you are left in this awkward middle zone of what the fuck, where you can't access medicine, dental care, optical care, any of those things. And it's so fucked not to mention even you know a, a lot of providers don't like that they get paid less from medicare and medicaid and provide lower level service than if they were dealing with somebody who had expensive private insurance and it's fucked up i don't like it my teeth don't like it they're mad about it they're mad at me about it right now as if it's something i could control um, and you know, it, it's so fucked. It's unethical at this point for us to have not moved forward and actually put something into place that covers everyone that saves all of us money on our taxes, um, it, you know, versus, uh, the private pay, um, because we would pay significantly less to cover it with taxes instead of private pay. It's fucking ridiculous, and all of it comes down to capitalist exploitation of healthcare to the point that the word care doesn't belong in that term anymore because it's fucking health business. And I don't like um, it. Before we get to the one that I said was just for you, um, MicroPower8 said, uh, you Americans pay three times so much money for the military as whole the whole of Europe. Um, and so I wanted to tap that on here before we address that other one, just because it still kind of goes hand in hand. But this is what the actual left in America has a problem with. Um, and we do not align with Biden and the decisions that are being made right now um, because we are constantly involved in the world's affairs. We know that we are everywhere. 
And we don't think that we should be. The real further left than Biden in America do not think that we should be everywhere that we are. Um, and so that goes hand in hand. I mean, we, we, we believe that if we did not have military bases all over the world, and if we were not constantly meddling in other people's affairs, that we would have enough money for healthcare and that we would not have to deal with any of the things that we're dealing with and making the whole world a nightmare elsewhere as well. I, I just saw Nathan's comment too. Um, a lot of them are coming from Twitch. So the only place you'll be able to see them is like when they pop up on the video screen. I'm not sure how to get that to sync with Facebook or YouTube if there even is a way. Um, so if you missed them when they popped on screen, sorry, but we are going through them one at a time to actually address these things because they kind of compound. Um, but uh, um, the one on the Soviet Union. Uh, Azimendius. Okay. They said, I think that the ideology of a vanguard state has only succeeded in creating dystopian hellscapes like the Soviet Union and anarchist projects have created untopian-esque society for short periods of time with a lot of people gathering for direct democracy. Um, and the thing is, there, there are failed experiments in actual leftism that we can definitely observe like the Soviet Union. Uh, but a lot of that had to do with, again, U.S. meddling and forcing them to have no choice but to turn to capitalism for survival. And that's exactly what the U.S. wanted to do there. So as far as the vanguard state goes and being able to show you a successful example of it, I point to Cuba. I point directly to Cuba and I will always point to Cuba because um, all red scare propaganda bullshit aside, if you actually look at what's happened in Cuba, they have a vanguard state to protect their communist revolution from capitalist influences. And they have succeeded in getting people housing and utilities, um, healthcare, like they have made massive advances in healthcare to the point that they are literally supplying other parts of the world with COVID vaccines right now that they developed with their communist healthcare system. Um, so they're actually a great example of what the Vanguard state can succeed in doing. Um, and as far as when that will dissolve, that's yet to be seen of, of when it is no longer needed in order to actually protect the revolution itself. Um, Micropower8 said, we say, do not do this, what you do not want that other people are doing to you. Yeah, golden rule, treat other people how you want to be treated. Um, absolutely. Uh, they also said, and you would save money if there would be universal health care in this system in the USA. This is confirmed. Absolutely. Economists have been saying this for years. And I really fucking wish that people would listen because they're right. Uh, Natalie said prevention doesn't create enough profit for the profit driven U.S. health system. And that right there is, is the problem in a nutshell. 
um, as well as them focusing more on treatments instead of cures. Because if you're only treating something, then that person is going to be a continued customer coming back. Whereas if you actually cure them, then they're done with that illness, you know, uh, and cures are not profitable. Uh, Micropower8 said, you Americans pay three times so much more. Okay, we addressed that one. Um, Natalie says, lower reimbursement levels such as CMS of Medicare and Medicaid has established, uh, proves that the for-profit insurers cannot negotiate as effective a rate with the healthcare providers. Fact. Um, I do have something after we talk about Natalie's. Um, I, I think she summed that one up pretty well. Go ahead. Uh, do you like how this started with the women and then it got into being very general again? Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> here we are, <laughs> um, which, you know, yeah, this has definitely been derailed away from feminism, but at least is, you know, addressing some real problems and things that we do discuss. I'm not often. saying it's not a good conversation. I just think it's funny that right. it's like, okay, cool. Well, we've talked about the women now. Can we move on? Right. It's like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but again, as Mao said, um, women hold up half the sky. So none of this is going to be achievable without the liberation of women and the liberation of people of color. Not going to happen. Uh, Azimandia's visage says, why not point to Yugoslavia? It's the only project, to my knowledge, to maintain that the workers control the means of production rather than the state. Um, I hadn't pointed to that because I was um, not aware of that. I, you know, I will look into that, though, because... If that's another example to be able to use of workers owning the means of production, then by all means, I want to be able to show people that is another successful um, experiment in communism actually turning out right. Because that right there is the actual goal, not a state-owned means of production, uh, which is a problem that we've seen in other areas that tried to work more towards socialism and communism. Um, the goal is actually for the workers to own the means of the production. Um, so that that's beautiful. I will definitely look into that. Uh, they also said the Soviet Union, long before the U.S. was fully invested in destroying it, handed the means of production right over to the state instead of the worker. Yeah, that's one of the problematic areas I was just referring to. Yes. Um, it's, it's one thing for things like utilities that should be public resources to, you know, be mediated at least by the state body, but that state body should also be held accountable to the people where that power is in the hands of the people to actually make sure they do it right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely problematic for the state to actually own the means of production because that that is then disallowing those workers to actually be the ones holding that power over over uh the actual wealth that they're producing with their labor and 
that is the goal for, for you to actually own the full value of your labor. And to me, it's no different if the state is capitalizing on it than an oligarch. Not okay. Um, Micropower 8 said the thing is this social ideologies fail because of not enough money. But at the end, the best solution is a mix of a part of capitalism, socialism. And what is good for the people at the end, find a good balance. Only socialism does not work too. I've seen it. And that what you just said there that last part of that doesn't work either is why i point out that trying to mix capitalism in isn't going to work either the only socialist states that people try to recognize as successful because they've implemented some social programs by funding them with capitalism still aren't even doing so of their own you know, of capitalizing on their own people's labor, they are still exploiting the global South, which is still a fucking problem. And exploitation is exploitation. Capitalism is exploitation by definition. It means to capitalize on someone else's labor where one person or a handful of people on top collect the majority of profits from the wealth produced by those actually doing the work. And I'm here to tell you that profit margins are unpaid wages. So I don't see any mix of capitalism actually achieving what our end goal is there for people to own the value of their labor. Uh, give me a second. I'm scrolling here. Uh, I don't have an echo suppressor. Um, it's using the mic that is built into my laptop because I don't have the means to go purchase a awesome high quality mic to hook up to it. So I'm glad you're at least still listening and can hear me well enough to engage. Um, Ozymandias Visage says, I respect Lenin for his works and his ideals, but in the end, one of his first actions when in power was to kill off the anarchists who were once their, once their allies. I understand that imperialism is ever-growing, um, and now my page jumped, so I have to scroll back to that. Give me a moment. Um, and will always encroach on the true communist societies for resource exploitation but I do believe that there are better ways of fending off imperialism and other capitalist powers that involve militant anarchist coalitions like the Zapatistas or the Ukrainian Black Army. Um, I agree with you on the Zapatistas. As far as the Ukrainian Black Army, I'd have to look into them and see what's up because uh, given the research I've been doing lately, because of the whole situation going on in Ukraine, there is way too much Nazi influence there. Um, and I don't know if that's a factor in Ukraine's Black Army. Um, and scrolling. Uh, 
Natalie said, and when it's mixed capitalism and socialism, it seems the socialism starts to suffer. Yes, it does. And that's part of why we address neoliberal and neoconservative uh, points there as um, anytime that something is done in baby steps, it can always be walked back. So reformism is actually never going to get us what we need when somebody else can come in in the next administration and walk the shit back and cut the social programs. We're even seeing that right now with social security that was never supposed to be touched for anything else. And, uh, you know, the government is steadily cutting that stuff. Um, so that is, that is definitely a problem. Uh, it got dark over there for you. I did. The sun's going down and I guess I could put the light on. Like I can still see fine, but if you're having <laughs> there's that, let there be light. Um, Ozymandias Visage says the Ukrainian Black Army was strictly an anarchist communist army that fought against both Nazis, nationalists, and Soviets. Okay, good shit. Um, maybe they need to start fighting their own right now and take out the Nazis that have seized power there. Just saying. Um, also, we're both curly, curly-haired women, so... Right. That, that's a point of confusion. We're both curly haired and we're both tattooed. So. <laughs> um, I wondered if that thing was, I wondered if <laughs> having no names on was um, something that Rob did on purpose or something. I don't know. Honestly, I hadn't even noticed that her names were missing. I did. Uh, Cause I, I use, I mean, I don't know if I want to have my full name on anymore, but. Right. My name's Chelsea. And this is Trisha. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for any of you newcomers who didn't uh, hear us introduce ourselves at the beginning, that's who we are. Uh, <laughs> one and two, this would be okay, too. <laughs> it just makes me think of Dr. Seuss. Um, But uh, uh, Ozymandias says the Ukrainian Black Army was eventually crushed and no longer exists. Well, that that's disappointing because um, they could really use them right now. They could have used them during um, Maidan for sure. Anywho, um, are you fine? I'm like, this isn't what I came here for. <laughs> right. If anybody else has any commentary as far as the book itself, the things that we were discussing tonight concerning racism, sexism, and capitalism and patriarchy, uh, fire away now. Um, because we will be wrapping this up momentarily. And, and this yeah. was the perfect amount of time. Right. Unfortunately, women only got most of it instead of all of it. Right. That's what she said. 
<laughs> on that note, I'm going to grab the music to do the damn thing. Oh my God, there's another Trotsky. Uh, Trotsky is haunting us all. I know. Well, I think they're saying that it was <laughs> who led many of the orders to crush the Ukrainian Black Army that was anti-fascist. I wasn't making a bad um, on the comment. I'm just saying that Trons Trotsky is haunting us lately. Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> there are some issues there, and, and we have an ice axe for them. <laughs> but anyway. We should um, do a segment on that soon, specifically. We really should. And uh, yes, agree. We should bring Frida into it. And then it'll make it still feminist. I'd like to end this on that note that they pointed out of, yes, the patriarchy needs to be destroyed. That's what we're here for. Thank you, Micropower8. Um, I hope you guys come back and join us once again. Uh, we will be back doing another segment on this book uh, Wednesday night, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and on Thursday, we do our current event streams where you'll see a few more members of the staff join us for that. Uh, as for now, I am going to go ahead and pop that on and pop some music on. Thank you all for joining us. This has been an excellent discussion. And, uh, Actually, here, let me let me pop this one on so you can see where to find us at because we have Facebook pages, groups, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and, of course, you know, because it's where you found us, good old Twitch. On that note, enjoy some music from our other staff members, Rob and Sterling. This is them rocking the fuck out. I hope you enjoy it. Bye. Later. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Mad love. All power to the people. We'll see you Get him out of when he's the devil, go!
reflections. We don't make mistakes. We have happy accidents. Just don't worry about it. Learn how to use. Fire.